Welcome, True Believer readers, to another episode of Let's Read Spider-Man. And here is the guy who is never thinking about the Marshall in Gunsmoke, my friend Eddie. How are you doing today, Eddie? You know, I only think about the Marshall in Gunsmoke when I go to visit Grandma Wallace. She's a huge fan of Westerns. This, of course, is a reference in one of the comics we're going to talk about today. And I'm not here to talk about Westerns. I want to talk about those comics. So let us know what's going on in Amazing Spider-Man 82. Hey, I forgot to tell you, I'm doing great today. The Amazing Spider-Man 82, and then came Electro. Peter has a lot of problems. At least that's what he thinks at the start of this issue. Fortunately, Miss Watson and MJ returned from Florida early to come by and relieve him of his Aunt May nursing duties. He heads out to swing about, gets his costume dirty from a smokestack, and decides he'll earn some extra cash by giving an exclusive interview to a TV show as Spider-Man. But before Spidey leaves the studio, there's an electrical danger, which Max Dillon earns an extra five-buck raise for repairing the problem. But the real news is that Harry gets a panel to reveal he has shaved off his Fu Manchu mustache, Dave B. I know we make such a big deal of Harry's Fu Manchu mustache. Do you, do you know when he got it, what issue it was? I, I, I looked it up. All right, uh, number 76. Very good guess. It's 74. 74. <sighs> He has it during the end of the petrified tablet. 76 is after the tablet. He gets it during the tablet. All right. So um, anyway, I know that that's the big deal for us, his mustache. But really, <laughs> Spider-Man deciding he wants to be a panelist during a talk show, the the midnight show, I believe it's called, to get some money. It, it's been such a long time since he came up with a plan like this. But I have I have so many things to talk about in the beginning that uh, if you don't mind, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to jump there and we'll come back to this. Sounds great, James B. Uh, on page one, the you know the splash page, as I always use the term, I think it justifies the work that you and I do analyzing these issues. When Stan and uh, John Romita and everybody else brings up the same concerns that we have, they're spelled out exactly like we know it. I just feel like, wow, like we're reading what they want us to read because every single one of those concerns he has, whether it's he's worried about his secret being revealed uh, and figured out by Captain Stacy, or he doesn't have enough money, or Aunt May's going to be sick, and he's being a bad boyfriend. All those things that he brings up, we're like, yep, we discussed that, we discussed that, we discussed that. So I was really glad to see that. Also, right away on the next page, the jealousy starts again with the girls. And I, you know, I love me some Gwen and MJ. Gwen says, remember, MJ is off limits to Gwendolyn's guy. So Peter then says to... Mary Jane, like, okay, see you later, lady. I have to run. MJ's like, she has one of her typical funny remarks. She says something like, I better check my mouthwash, you know. Um, <laughs> but I, 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 I get off the main important thing here, which like I said was, we've got to talk about this decision to go to a talk show. I was shocked. How did you feel when this happened? I, you know, I think that Peter is very depressed. Um, I know I talked about this back when he was like walking the streets in the prowler. Um, was becoming the prowler, um, but he's depressed, and I think he's not able to make good decisions. And I, for me, I think he's having like a a throwback to like mm, I did like you know I tried to do a movie twice, and if that had worked, you know I would have had a big payday. And I, I think he's just he's grasping for straws here because he really doesn't know what to do. But really, his biggest problem is is his his mind is just not right. He's so clouded by all these problems, which 
as we find out, aren't all really problems. As we just mentioned, the issue opens up with all his problems spelled out there. So, Eddie, you could be right. It could be a bad decision because of where his mind is. But the issue is also going to go on to remind us multiple times that he's financially strapped. And that could be the other reason why he is making this bad decision. But why don't we try to move on with this summary? I know I gave us a lot in the beginning, but I just have a lot of things at the start of this issue I wanted to get off my chest. No problem. We get a review of how Max became Electro, followed by a revelation that he could approach J. Jonah for a reward if he unmasks Spider-Man. He successfully negotiates a $5,000 reward and zips off to find Spidey. There's, there's money again, right? Yep. Money keeps coming back into this issue. Eddie, on page eight and nine, there's a few panels, if you don't mind, that I, I read to everyone. Okay. It says, finally, at the ever-popular Coffee Bean, Flash is already at Peter again, and he's like, hi, Gwendy. Couldn't get a date tonight, huh? If she walks in with Peter. And then <laughs> Gwen, Gwen's like, come off it, soldier. With Peter on my arm, I feel like a sweepstakes winner. And MJ comes back with, if you're all that groovy, maybe you deserve Mary Jane. And then Gwen says, <laughs> when would you like him, dear? Before or after I pull your hair out? Dang! <laughs> and usually that's how these things go and Peter walks away. But because Flash is here for a rare Flash issue, Flash says, look, gorgeous, if you're in the mood to pick up strays, how about me? We can still keep Puny Parker around for laughs. And then right away, it turns into like, that does it, wise guy. Oh, you're on Knuckles. And they get into a whole a whole fight. So there's this big problem, and that's going to spill over later because, like you mentioned, he's broke. And this causes a lot of issues. And he's depressed because he's broke because he can't afford to take uh, Gwen out. And, uh, and he has to pay for this flash party, too, which it's brought up like we won't be able to have the party unless everybody chips in. So he's really stressed out about that. It's just such a big deal. I, I take serious issue with that. I'm like, why is Peter playing for Flash? His, like, arch nemesis since he was 15. <laughs> I understand he's trying to bury the hatchet, but, like, cut the guy a break if he doesn't have any money and he's got a sick aunt. Like, deal Flash. Yeah, they, the, the group just doesn't really seem to make this connection that these two guys don't like each other. You want to tell us what happens at the party? Sure. Upon arriving to the party, MJ and Gwen exchange barbs, and Peter leaves early to mope elsewhere. He is caught by Gwen a little outside the venue, who tearily tells Peter he doesn't need money for her love. Soon after, Spidey swings over to the TV station for his interview. Captain Stacy, Joe Robbie, and Jay Jonah are in attendance, but soon find themselves in the middle of a battle between Electro and Spider-Man. The battle rages until Spidey devastatingly shocks Electro and himself. The two foes limp away, and we see an ultra-depressed Peter laying on his bed. That wraps up this issue, James B. Uh, but did you see how Electro was defeated by Spider-Man? Why don't you remind me? He... Uh, like hogtied his hands to his feet, which caused Electro to short circuit and I guess electrocute himself. <laughs> the only question I have at the end of this issue is how does Electro clip his toenails if he can't touch his feet? Yeah, this didn't even phase me. They're like, up, oh, Electro's doing all this damage. You're like, oh, by the way, we'll just pretend that you can't touch yourself, even though this has never been an issue before, right? Yes, exactly. I was trying to. <laughs> I was wondering if Electro can control his powers. 
Like when he's walking around being a helper on the midnight show, does he need to like be careful? Can he not even like touch his hands together or does he have the ability to kind of turn it on, turn it off? He, he must have that ability to a certain extent. He just has got to be, well, I guess that's possible. He like was all electrified and he can't like wind down fast enough to like stop from electrocuting himself. Ah, you may have found the way that he can clip his toenails. He just has his power off at that time. Yeah, I didn't I didn't use I don't use Wikipedia to check on Spider-Man stuff because I like to experience it as if there was no Wikipedia because there wasn't in 1970 when this mm-hmm. book comes out. So I'm like, I'm just going to read along and um, but I'll use Wikipedia to check a dated reference or something like that if I needed to. Um Eddie, during the fight with Electro, did you notice that Spider-Man barely talked and didn't crack a joke? This was so weird to me. It's all thought bubbles. And this is not the way Spider-Man fights people. I don't know if Max Dillon, maybe he's kind of deaf or something like that. I'm not sure. No, but That's not the reason. Eddie, <laughs> what's the reason? It's, it's We've been covering it all issue. If you're at home listening to this podcast, just shout out the answer to Eddie. I'll oh, give no. you a moment. Oh, no. <laughs> No, look, Spider-Man's all mopey, he's all depressed, and Electro is serious about this cash. This is a mm. serious fight. This isn't a, like, ha-ha, let's play along, jokey Spider-Man right now. He's he's down the dumps. He can't be telling jokes when he's he's got a lot of oh, things stressed about. Even, you are exactly like, right. Boy, the, that is so depressing. That's like the ultimate depression state for Spider-Man. He can't even wash his uniform. <laughs> like, he, he, Nothing works out for this guy. Yes, James, I mean, there's a great panel where he can't, like, get his uniform washed, so he goes to a laundromat. This is, I guess, the joke, kind of, for this issue. He goes to a laundromat with a bag over his head, which, you know, there's Spider-Man costumes other places in the world. Why does he have to hide his head? But he creates a big scene when he swings in and does his wash in Peter Parker clothing. Does he swing into the laundromat? Is that what he does? That's what he does. Oh, because there's 14 people watching him wash his clothes while he's sitting with his bag on his head. And I was like, what? I had forgotten that he swung in. I guess he, he dro- did. Couldn't have just couldn't have just walked in like a regular person, huh? Yeah, swing into the alley, walk around the corner, wash your clothes. But well, I have a little bit more to talk about this issue, but I'd like to squeeze in a quick uh, a quick sponsor. All right, Eddie. This week on the Midnight Show, appearances by the Marshall and Gunsmoke. The cast of Easy Rider and Spider-Man will be there. Musical guests will be Johnny Cash and Merle Haggard. Our man in the street, Seymour, has a video of a man in a wig dressed like Thundar the Barbarian and a man in a laundromat wearing a bag on his head. Plus, watch Marvin surprise all the guests in the stand each night with a case of turtle wax. All that and more this week on The Midnight Show. It's a great sponsor we had there, Eddie. You know what? I'll be sure to catch that one, James B. That is a a, a vignette into the past, we could say. <laughs> I'm I'm glad glad it worked out. Um, hey, I never tell the listeners to go back and ever read a previous issue, but boy, if you could go back and read issue nine right now, that's right, I said uh-huh. number nine, first appearance of Electro. Eddie, the amount of parallels between issue nine and eighty two is out of control. In issue nine. 
The opening splash page is basically the same. It has Electro in it with a big group of people and all of his problems. There are people surrounding him. They're pointing at him. One side has, uh, he's got the old half Peter Parker, half Spider-Man. And on the Peter Parker side, it shows like all the people in his life, like Aunt May laying in bed and stuff like uh -huh. that. You know, being. Mm -hmm. And on the other side, it has like Betty Brant with her back turned and like uh, J. Jonah Jameson screaming at him. It has like people on, on both sides. It's a big, crazy splash page like that. Uh, oh. In addition to that, they both have Electro in it, of course. Right. They both have laundry issues. He's washing his costume in the <laughs> like in the sink. He's got all kinds of problems with his costume. Uh, he has financial woes in both issues. Aunt May is sick in bed in both issues. He's trying to figure out how to pay for it. J. J. Jonah Jameson is the villain, essentially, in both, because he's trying to tell the public that Electro is Spider-Man. Uh, Flash calls, calls him Puny Parker in each issue. It's it's so similar. You're like, I think whoever was, oh, I know who was writing this one, you know, but uh, Stan looked back at his old issue and told John, like, we're just going to go back to the old the old well and do the electro issue all over again. It's like a it's a one issue containing itself. And he he takes him out by the way with a uh, like a like water fire hose of water or something like that. Knocks out, boom, fights over. You know what I mean? That that is really fascinating, James B. Because you know, I couldn't figure out why when I was you know, writing the summary and really studying this, I'm like, this is this is a very long summary. Like, I could write a lot more here. And I went back and I counted the number of panels in issue 82, and it's 119 panels. And then I went back to issue 81, and there are only 104 panels in issue 81. I mean, that's like, hmm. you know, quite a few more panels than than the past probably 10 issues because one of the things like when we had man mountain marco and other things in the petrified tablet those books were very short there just wasn't a ton that happened and that's exactly what must have happened and stan must have rewrite he's like let me bring electro back i better go reread our old issue and yeah. then he just replicated it because it, i i should count up the panels in issue nine maybe i'll take some you time know, to do that you know if you if you're a frequent listener to our show, you know, we don't really do a lot of research. It's just kind of funny <laughs> that we both were counting things. I was counting people watching him do laundry and you're counting panels. And I got another comment for you because keeping it going here. All right. I paid a lot of attention to the backgrounds mm. because, you know, we've, we had that talk with our good friend, Travis Bowe, and he mentioned how, you know, because of DC, we had to start rushing issues along. Well, I got to tell you the background, backgrounds are back. There's a lot more drawings in the back with in the, these two issues 82 and 83 of little details here and there and i thought wow maybe they're starting to change uh their format a little bit kind of get back to what they did in the past so maybe they said hey these issues are these issues are trash let's get back to what used to work and put backgrounds back into 82 and 83 so eddie i mentioned issue 83 do you want to go ahead and do the summary for that one for me of course the amazing spider-man 83 the coming of the schemer I'm going to stop right here, James B. The, wow, that was a short summary. On, on the front cover of 83, okay. we front have cover. the schemer here. And like I, I know we've read this book, but I think we need to take a moment here to describe what the schemer looks like and then guess at what his powers will be in this issue. Because he is described as a new supervillain on the cover too. Um, do you want to give us a, a short no, description? I, well, you asked me, 
to come up with what his his powers might be, okay. judging by his appearance. So I don't want to tell you his appearance because that would give it away how I feel. Okay, about him. all right, all right. I have two guesses. So, so why don't you go ahead and do that first? He so the schemer here has a yellow long yellow gloves on. He has like a cape with a very high collar in which it kind of looks like one of those dog cones when your dog gets hurt, you know. And then he has kind of Reed Richards style hair with what my wife described as being a skunk line down the middle. And he has like a kind of a spider, a Superman style, like green leotard on with a giant explosion in, in the middle of red. Like it was a kapow or something that Spider-Man did. Go ahead and click on the image, the link I put at the very bottom. The figure in question is just figure. I want you to see the color scheme of the vision. Oh my God, he does look exactly like vision. Wow. It's the same color cape, same color gloves, right? Mm-hmm. So there's two things I was thinking. One would be to make some kind of joke about the vision because he looks just like the vision. But I have a different idea. Tell me what you were thinking about when you were thinking of his powers first. I really thought about like Doctor Strange, uh, you know, from annual, what was it, two we had and Doctor Strange's villain in that one. Zandu. Uh, Zandu, thank you. I thought he was going to like whip out a wand and start a casting spells or something like that. That's what he looked well, like to me. My top guess was he was going to show up and tell everyone that it's time for them to eat a healthy monster breakfast cereal called Limeberry. <laughs> Limeberry cereal is coming your way. How about a monster for breakfast today? Full of citrus and vitamin C. <laughs> because he looks like... Uh, uh, Count Chocula mixed with Division. Uh, basically. He's, he's, he's an evil... He looks... He is Count Chocula wearing Division's clothes. I feel like he's going to be promoting his breakfast cereal. All right, I, good dis- good description, James B. And um, let's let's move on and figure out what this guy does. There is a new criminal interested in taking the top criminal spot away from the kingpin. He is the schemer, and he's willing to use any means to overthrow the old crime lord. But during one of the schemer's heists, Spidey shows up to crack some skulls and learns of the new adversary. While Spidey thinks of the kingpin. Across town, Wilson Fisk and his wife have a heated conversation about their missing son. Later, Peter heads to the Bugle to sell some pictures to pay for Aunt May's medical bills, but Medicaid comes to the rescue. Remember when I was talking about issue nine just a few minutes ago? Yes. In our podcast about issue nine, I actually mentioned that like there is no Medicaid to pay for Aunt May. And that's because there is no Medicaid in 1964 when that issue is written, but there is Medicaid in the real world now when this issue is written. You know what I'm saying? Wow. Medicaid comes out in 65. And we actually, like I said, in the podcast, I say something like, well, there's no Medicaid, so he has to pay for all these bills. And now (laughs) they've mentioned Medicaid. He's like, oh, how silly of me. I'm like, well, it's only been around for like five years, dude. So It should relieve him. Um, But I was really distracted by something that the particularly stupid line the schemer says. Once the kingpin has fallen, he, Spider-Man, wouldn't dare to attack me. <laughs> now, this is the schemer. And in his scheme, he's like, ah, oh, once I beat the kingpin, Spider-Man will be like, ooh, scary. I'm not going to go after Skunk Dracula. Or Yeah, I saw or... that same line, too. And I thought, <laughs> this guy is so terrible that I'm just going to disregard his stupidity. And I just sort of brushed it off. Great. Good, good catch, though, Eddie. Good catch. Okay. 
Peter, MJ, and Gwen go to the airport to see Flash off. There's two kisses for Flash here. High drama with the uh, ladies of Spider-Man. Yeah, we need to uh, we need to break this down. This is a big one. <laughs> I can't wait. First of all, Mary Jane says, Gentle Gwen may send you off with a pat on the cheek, but Mary Jane is something else. And it says, mwah. And she's, she's giving him a kiss. Agree? Oh, yeah. Full on lips to lips. Yeah. It's a little... It's a little PG drawn, right? Yes. But but she's giving him a kiss. And then Gwen says, Not bad, redhead, but now if you'll hold the gentleman's cap, and if Mr. Parker will kindly look the other way, and you get the like the full like sideways head, eyes wide open, shock, hands to the face, pulling him close, like it's like the biggest kiss of any comic ever. There's like and a bullseye Gwen. behind him, too. Yeah, there should be. Like, that's... It's a serious PG-13 kiss, you know what I'm saying? You know, in fact, <laughs> his response is, Whoo-wee! Who needs a plane? Just let me wave my arms and I'll glide all the way back to Nam. And he has, like, seven of those little, like, dizzy stars around him as if he's being, like, knocked out. And um, then the responses are from Peter... I know you were just being friendly, Gwen, but... And then she's like, friendly was... Friendly my eye. I was doing my darnness to get you jealous, man. And then Harry says, Say, MJ, you acted like you enjoyed that. And MJ says, What do you mean acted? MJ oh is my. just... She says what she wants to say. Nobody nobody can stop her, you know? I think that's the first kiss Ever? in Amazing Spider-Man books. People can wow. write into me at... Let's read Spider-Man at gmail.com if they disagree. I think this is the first actual kiss between two characters in an amazing Spider-Man issue. Bold I think statements. there's been a couple almost kisses, and there's one like sloppy half-side kiss, but I think this is the first real kiss. MJ, the Flash. Wow. That's going to be my trivia question to you. I can hardly argue with a man so well-versed in the ladies of Spider-Man, but I'm going to finish out this issue. On their way home, Peter and Gwen are both injured from a truck sabotage to careen off the road by the schemer's thugs. Gwen is rushed to the hospital, where Peter, enraged, swings off to find the schemer. He does, and a brief battle ensues. Incredibly, the schemer escapes. Spidey swings to the hospital to see Gwen, but Peter is shunned by the hospitalized Gwen. Captain Stacy says things will be better in the morning, and Peter walks home in the cold. Okay, so for the end of this book, do you remember in the second Spider-Man movie, he's sitting there in a cafe and Doc Ock throws a car at them and he senses it and he grabs MJ and he throws it to the ground and all the glass goes whipping across and the car comes smashing in. I think it's a car he throws into the building. Yes. Well, here, when the he senses that the car is coming, careening towards him and he throws Gwen to the ground and the car like crashes on top of him and then he has to try to figure out what to do because he's holding up the car. Yes. And he can't let it go because it'll crush her, but he can't throw it aside because then people will be on to him. So he grabs a parking meter and he uses it to sort of uh, like, you know, how do you say, like hold it up wedge. like a jack holds up a car. Wedge. Thank you. He uses it to wedge the car up so he can crawl it from underneath it. Do you remember that? Yeah. I You know, it's actually very similar to what plays out in the movie. And I can only think that in like such a kind of, desperate accident nobody would notice that someone managed to wedge a parking meter upside down to hold up the truck so they could get out what else you got eddie 
You know, I, I'm happy to kind of go over how much I dislike the schemer. I, I think he's one of the worst villains. He doesn't get super at all. From his appearance to his, like, schemes to, like, the card table he sits behind, you know, in his hideout, I guess. Did you think that I, who shall crush the mighty kingpin, could be defeated by you? That's what he decides to say while Spider-Man is, like, clearly getting crushed. Did you know the kingpin had a son? I had no idea. I was so surprised by that. But I thought it was an interesting kind of view into how the kingpin conducts his personal life. We see that it's really hard for him to control his son because, according to the newspapers, he had an accident and died. And then the kingpin didn't even tell his wife that's what happened. Well, because it says, you know, the, the newspaper says, wealthy student missing in Alps, believed to have met with fatal accident, said to have been despondent, left note addressed to his father. <laughs> no son of mine could be so weak, so spineless. <laughs> Crash. She's like double, double tears. All these months, my heart told me our son was dead. <laughs> Oh, Vanessa. It's tough. Poor Kingpin. The uh, the family problems and the uh, boy-girl problems are even uh, issues for Kingpin. Speaking of relationship secrets, Eddie, Peter was going to tell Gwen that he's Spider-Man. Is that a good thing? I'm not sure about that. Just before the truck careened into them, and it actually Gwen did not get hit by the truck. It was actually Peter who pushed her, and I think that's why he felt extra guilty about the whole situation. Um, it appeared he was going to tell Gwen, and I just, I think this is a terrible idea. I mean, I know he's in love, but things cannot go well once they know who he is, the world, at least Gwen does. I, I feel like her father would find out rapidly afterwards, and I'm not down. Yeah, I mean, I feel like, I've seen it in the movies, he can get away with it, sort of, you know? It makes his relationships easier if people know. So, I'm fine. I approve it. I also approve the fact that uh, we keep our podcast under 30 minutes, so we need to wrap this one up. All right. Sounds good, James B. On Twitter, you can find us at Let's Read Spidey. Where can they find us on Gmail, Eddie? Um, you can email us anytime at Let's Read Spider-Man at gmail.com. And remember, listeners, if you have to pay a medical bill for your sickly aunt, you can always rely on Medicaid. Goodbye. Goodbye. James B., on the cover of this issue, it says, Spidey tangles with a strange new supervillain and a deadly old-time enemy. Um, I don't know how super the schemer is to you, but that is a gross over-exaggeration in my opinion. And even more confusingly, who is the old-time enemy in this issue, James B.? Well, they show the kingpin and... Vanessa, I guess. But they don't seem to tangle with him. Wait, is it Flash stealing his girl with a big kiss, perhaps? I guess so. I mean, 
Okay, all right. So that's that's like one possibility. The Kingpin does make an appearance, but there's no tangling with Spider-Man. But okay, m- is it is it Dr. Bramwell asking for bills? And he's like, wait, I'm going to battle you with Medicaid? <laughs> yeah, I could be also. But, you know, James B., up until like five minutes ago, I, I didn't really have a good answer with this. I am um, I'm pretty sure it's actually... Dirty Pool. Did you see the appearance of Dirty Pool in this issue? I did. I did see the the term (laughs) Dirty Pool. And Spider-Man says the schemer never heard of him before. Hey, that's Dirty Pool. And that's a guy in a green jacket with a hat on who looks like a very generic thug. Spider-Man's seen him before. Dirty Pool's not a person. How is that not a person? That's Dirty Pool. What are you talking? You don't really mean that, do you? Dirty Pool's not a person. What is he referring to when he says, hey, Dirty Pool's that's an expression. Dirty pool. Oh, dirty really? an expression. When you say, like, <laughs> hey, that's Dirty Pool. I thought that was term- the thug's name. I'm like, no, oh, Spider-Man's a- recognizing Dirty Pool. Dirty Pool means that you're, I'm getting- I mean, you're being unfair. Well, I think it's an excellent name for a thug, and I think it's that, that thug's name, and Spider-Man is just recognizing a generic thug as one of his former adversaries. So he says, I've seen him before. He's one of the Kingpin's hoods. I think that's his name, James B. Honestly. That's what it okay, says. Look at look at page uh three there. <laughs> okay, I'm just I just want to make sure you understand the the term dirty pool does imply something is unfair. That's just an expression. I know. Okay. But so he's like Hey, let me re- that's you dirty want- pool. The guy the guy's shooting a gun. He's like, it's not right? fair, you're using a gun. But but sure, I'll pretend that he's like, hey, that's dirty pool. Sure. Now read the read the next yes, line. I, it does say, I've seen him before. He's one of the ah. Kingpin's hoods. Aha! <laughs> That's Dirty Pool. One of the sure, Kingpin's Eddie. hoods. Sure, you solved, <laughs> you've solved the mystery of this book.